All right, go ahead and take your seat. We're going to get started here. Now, uh, how many of you know of the 22-day challenge? Do you guys know about the 22-day challenge? Raise your hand if you do. It's tough. 22-day challenge, the 22-day challenge. I see some people. All right, I was nominated by a good friend of mine, Ricky Hale, back uh, 20 days ago, actually. So I'm on my 21st day is today, 22 is tomorrow, and so I'll be finishing up the 22-day challenge. And what that is is that's 22 push-ups a day for 22 days. On Facebook, you videotape yourself doing these push-ups and then you nominate somebody. And what it's designed to do is bring awareness to PTSD, depression, suicide among military members, both active duty and the veteran community. And so it's, uh, it's kind of neat how this has all worked together. And then Chad is going to talk in a couple weeks about kind of the same thing. So once again, God's timing is perfect. But I remember when I saw Ricky doing that the first few days, I'm like, oh, dear Lord, don't let him nominate me. That's what I was saying. And so, you know, day four, day five went by, and I'd watch these videos that Ricky was doing, and I'd be like, man, that's awesome that he's doing those push-ups. But don't nominate me, all right? Don't, don't nominate me. And I never talked to him about it, and, and this is actually the first time he's hearing this. He's, I think he's back in the parents' room. So, so I hope we have an audio going back there because this, uh, this is kind of funny. And so here we go. I think it was day nine. All of a sudden, on my Facebook, guess what happened? You've been nominated. <laughs> it didn't say that, but it was like, I'm attached to this video, and I watched this video, and sure enough, Ricky nominated me for the 22-day challenge. And, and it's not that I didn't want to be a part of it or you know, I had anything against it. Obviously, I'm ex-military guy, retired military. I think it's a worthwhile thing. But I knew I was weak. I did not have the strength to do 22 push-ups, and I knew that because it had been a couple years since Gene and I had done CrossFit, and I, I knew that I just hadn't done a thing in like two years. So I was weak, I wasn't strong, and I'm like, oh man. So I read through the whole thing about the 22, and it said in there, part of it, if you can't do all of them, you know, do, do a couple different sets or, you know, uh, do them from your knees, maybe push-ups from your knees and stuff. And I'm like, all right. But I was bound and determined that first day. So I get to do the push-ups that first day, and I made it to 19. And I'm like, oh, man. So then I did the three knee push-ups. And then the next day, and I was talking to Jean, and she's like, well, then you'll be able to do 19 tomorrow. I'm like, no, no, that's not the way it works. If I did 19 the first day, I'll be lucky to do 15 the second day, and then I'll probably go down to 13 the third day, and then i got to work myself back up. And that's just the way I am. It's the way my body is, and I knew it. So I was afraid and I was scared because I knew that I was weak. But actually, I think it was day five, I ended up building back up, and I did 22 push-ups, and I've done 22 push-ups every day since, and I've actually thrown in a clapping push-up a couple days ago. So my goal, my goal for Monday is to get to 20 and then do two clapping push-ups. So if you're a friend with me on Facebook, watch for Monday. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it, but Lord willing, I will, all right? But that's my story. I, I lacked strength. I was weak, and so that's why I didn't want to be a part of that. So Today we're going to look at a story in Jesus' disciples' lives where he interacted with Jesus, and we're going to see that they were lacking in strength as well. 
And they were also lacking in courage, too, while they were out in the middle of a lake. And we're going to connect this really important value that Jesus taught, and he taught on the value of the abundant life. But before we do that, I want to just talk about this message series just a little bit. Like I made mention earlier, we're talking about how our values stoke the vision of multiplying. And we're talking about multiplying disciples. That's people who become Jesus followers. We're talking about multiplying leaders. And we've done that actually in the last month or so. We have some new leaders rising up. And and so the Lord is multiplying leaders here. And then the vision of Connect is to multiply churches. And we don't know where that's going to be or what that's going to look like, but, but that is the vision that we have, the vision of multiplication. And abundant life is one of those things that fuels multiplication. Because who doesn't want an abundant life, right? I, I want an abundant life, and I'm sure if I interviewed each one of us, we would say, yeah, absolutely, we want an abundant life. But, but many Christians and, and even many churches they live in scarcity. I don't know if you thought about that before, but we do many times live in scarcity instead of living in abundance. So the question that I'm going to ask each one of us today is, what do I do when I don't have enough? What do, what do, I do, what do you do when you don't have enough? Maybe it's enough time. I know I've said that. I got no time. And I know that's an old song by the Guess Who, but that's kind of what I like to sing, those old 70s songs. I got no time. How many of us have said, I just don't have enough time. I don't have enough time. Or money. That's another, that's another one, especially living in America today. We always look to the people that are around us and we say, wow, you know, they have a lot. I wish I had more money. Or, man, I don't have this or that. I wish I had more money. So many times we don't think we have enough money. The other thing is strength, like I talked about. Maybe you don't have enough strength. And it doesn't have to be physical strength. That's what I was talking about. But maybe it's the fortitude of strength to do something, whether it be at work or in your personal life. Endurance, something like that. Emotional strength to make it through. You hear about the Olympics just a month or two ago. You know, mental strength. They need to have a lot of mental strength to do what they're doing and competing at that high level. Or maybe it's courage. Maybe you just think to yourself, I don't have enough courage. Well, whatever it is for you, the question that we have is, how do I live an abundant life when I never seem to have enough? How do I live an abundant life when I never seem to have enough? Well, let's take a look in Jesus' life and and see what Jesus has to say about this. Let's go ahead and go to John 10.10, and I'm reading out of the ESV. If you don't have a Bible, uh, we have a few Bibles available in the back. Uh, Bible apps, you know, are available. We also have notes available if you go to the Connect app. We have interactive notes to where you can take notes and then email yourself the final version. Or we do have notes and pens available in the back as well. John 10.10 says this, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came 
that they may have life and have it more abundantly. Exactly. Abundant life. Not stingy. Not wrinkled up, grumpy old crabby life. But abundant life. That's what Jesus came to give us. So I looked up the word abundantly. And I can't roll my R's, so I'm not even going to try. So I'm just going to call it Perry sauce because that's going to be a really funny way for you to remember it. Perry sauce. That's what it is. That's the word out of the Greek. And I have a few pictures here that will kind of explain that. It's super abundant. Here we see Perry sauce water. More, exceedingly more abundant water. And if you looked at that picture, that was from Great Falls. <laughs> Gene and I were actually down there traveling when we saw that down at the Bison Ford, right in front of Bison Ford there. And that was, yeah, that was just a month ago or whatever. The next one is Perry Sauce Wind. That's a hurricane. Exceedingly abundant, more than you can even imagine or handle wind. Right? The next one is grain, Perry Sauce Grain. That's a huge harvest right there. That's a Perry Sauce Harvest. And then we have tulips. These flower, I'm not a big flower guy. I mean, I like flowers, but look at those tulips. That's a lot. That's a Perry Sauce Tulips right there, isn't it? This next one's a really funny picture too. If you're from back in the day like I am, that's Diana Ross's Perry Sauce hair, isn't it? That's a lot of hair. Okay, well, let's go in the recent past. Donald Trump's Perry Sauce hair. That is a lot of hair, right? Oh, uh, That was funny when Jimmy Fallon did that. I don't know if you guys saw. I saw the video. Jimmy Fallon messed up his hair. That was, that was really fun. Okay, I'm getting off track. I saw a squirrel. Gene says stick to the notes, Bob. All right, I will. Perry Sauce, that's what we're talking about. Exceedingly abundant, more than you can contain, more than you can handle. That's the life that Jesus brings to us in our lives. And so we're going to see this play out. So when Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly, he was saying that he wants to give us life that has more than enough. That's peri sauce, more than you need, actually. Exceedingly abundant, above the minimum. That really is Jesus' vision for your life and for mine. But the thief, the devil, he has a different vision for your life than Jesus does. The thief wants you and he wants me to live in scarcity. He wants you and me to live in scarcity. Jesus said the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. The thief wants you to believe these things. He wants you to believe that I never have enough. Life has ripped me off. Everybody's out to get me. I have to protect everything that belongs to me. That's kind of a hoarding mentality. That's what the thief wants us, or how he wants us to live, in scarcity. But Jesus wants you to live in abundance, like this little goldfish. That's more for that little guy, right? Those two pictures back and forth, the little to the big. 
He's living in abundance, and that's what Jesus wants us to live. He wants us to be able to say in our lives, I have more than I need. God has been so generous to me. I want to bless people that are around me. When I see a need, I want to be able to meet it. God protects me and restores what this thief has stolen. That's living in abundance. That's the mindset of perisauce that we were talking about earlier. More than enough. That's the mindset that Jesus wants us to live in. So let's, let's take a look at a, at a story from the life of Jesus and see how Jesus lived out this abundance. And we're going to actually contrast that to his disciples and to see how they lived in scarcity. And this is early on in, in, the, in the ministry of Jesus. So the disciples, by the end of their walk with him after almost three years, you know, they had learned quite a few lessons. But we're early in the ministry. In Mark chapter 6, verse 30, let's start there. I'm reading out of the NLT. The apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all they had done and taught. Then Jesus said, Let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. And so right there we see that that's kind of a definition of of scarcity, not enough time. They didn't have enough time to eat. So in verse 32, what we see is we see, so they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. But many people recognized them and saw them leaving, and people from many towns ran ahead along the shore and got there ahead of them. And Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. So we see where there was a scarcity, not enough time, but now we see Jesus having compassion for the masses, and he's like, you know what? I have plenty of time. So that's the abundance. Jesus had plenty of time because he saw them and he had compassion, and so he stayed and he taught them for a while. Well, late in the afternoon, picking up at verse 35, his disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place. It's already getting late. Send the crowds away so that they can go by the nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. But Jesus said, no, you feed them. With what, they asked. We'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. We see the disciples' mindset was scarcity. Not enough money. So we see verse 38 then, and we see what Jesus has to say about this. He says, how much bread do you have? He asks, go and find out. They came back and reported, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. Then Jesus told the disciples to have the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of 50 or 100. Jesus took the five loaves and two fish and looked up toward heaven and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving them the bread to the disciples so that they could distribute it to the people. He also divided the fish for everyone to share, and they all ate as much as they wanted to. And afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish, 
a total of 5,000 men and their families were fed. If you've been around church at any length of time, you've heard this story before. But what I want us to see is Jesus brought abundance. There was plenty to share. And so these happened, these stories happened consecutively on this same journey that Jesus was on at this time as he went out and, and doing these different things. And what we see here is you may say, well, that's Jesus. He's God. He can do those kind of things. The disciples, what were they going to do? Well, I think that is part of it. But what we're trying to get at here is that with Jesus in your life, there's abundance. But when you try to think things on your own and try to live apart from him, there's scarcity. That's the lesson we're learning here in these two things. And there's a couple more that we're going to learn as well. So the disciples, their attitude was scarcity. Jesus, he showed them how to live in abundance. In verse 45, now we see immediately after this, so this is a continuing story. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and head across the lake to uh, Bethsaida, where he sent the people home while he sent the people home. After telling everyone goodbye, I bet that took a long time. Wow, I, I hadn't noticed that before. <laughs> After telling everyone goodbye, man, I, I'm sorry, I saw another squirrel. That's a long time. He went up to the hills by himself to pray. Late that night, the disciples were in their boat in the middle of the lake, and Jesus was alone on the land. He saw that they were in serious trouble, rowing hard and struggling against the wind and the waves. So here are the disciples trying to get through this storm, and they just weren't strong enough. They, they were trying hard, but they, they just couldn't do it. They were not strong enough to go across the lake. But about three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. Here we see abundance, right? We see Jesus strong enough to walk through the obstacles. This is a great lesson that they're going to learn once again. After they've learned these two lessons, now this is a third lesson that they're going to learn, is that, you know, Jesus is able to walk through the obstacles in your life and in mine. As we rely upon Jesus, and call upon him, he works through the obstacles with us. He intended to go past them. I love that. (laughs) In verse to the end of 48, be going into 49. He intended to go past them. Uh, I don't know why that cracks me up, but it does. But when he saw, but when they saw him walking on the water, they cried out in terror, thinking he was a ghost. They were all terrified when they saw him. So here we see them once again not having courage. They, they were, that was their scarcity. They, they didn't have enough courage. But, but then Jesus spoke to them at once and said, Do not be afraid. Take courage. I am here. So Jesus, and I love this kind of play on words, I am here. I love how he says that. Jesus is the I am. Jesus says, I am here. Then he climbed into the boat and the wind stopped and they were totally amazed. Well, guess what this phrase totally amazed means? Peri sauce. 
It means perisos amazed. They were perisos amazed. Their amazement was over the top. Their amazement couldn't be contained. It's the same word that we saw before. Perisos amazed. Just like Jesus gives us abundant life, more exceedingly, more than we can contain or even imagine. And in verse 52, it says, For they still didn't understand the significance of the miracle of the loaves. Their hearts were too hard to take it in. But what, they, what didn't they understand, they didn't understand the perisauce part of it. Now, like I said, this was early on in their walk with Jesus. This was early on in the ministry of Jesus. And so this is one of the first things he's trying to teach them. He's trying to teach them that, hey, with me, relying upon me, the I am, I will bring abundance to you. There will be no scarcity. You don't have to fear. You will have courage. You'll have enough time. You'll have enough resources. You don't have to worry about that with me. When I'm on the scene, it's all good. And so this is the lesson that Jesus is trying to teach them. The abundance that Jesus lived had nothing to do with what he owned. The abundance that Jesus led had nothing to do with what he owned. He didn't own a home. He was dependent on the goodwill of others, but Jesus still lived in abundance, not scarcity. Jesus never had a wife or kids. He lived his whole life as a single man, but he lived in abundance, not scarcity in his relationships, right? Jesus was constantly accused, attacked, and persecuted by people who opposed him. But he lived an abundant life, not a life of scarcity. Here's a good point. Abundance has nothing to do with your circumstances or mine, but it has everything to do with your attitude. Abundance has nothing to do with your circumstances or mine, but has everything to do with our attitude. Let's think about that just for a minute. Abundant time. Jesus didn't have more time for self-care than, than any of us do, right? The, they probably don't, didn't have the clocks that we have, but you only had 24 hours in a day. But he spent time with the people who were important to him because he knew that he had plenty of time to minister. I know I've used that excuse before in my life that I didn't have enough time. And I know for a fact that I've missed opportunities that the Lord has brought into my life. To share the good news of who Jesus is, to help someone out. Maybe I didn't see the need, but I know that I could have probably done something because hindsight's always twenty twenty. In the moment, I was so caught up with what was going on right in front of me that I didn't see the forest for the trees. And I'm sure each one of us could attest to that. So what about you? Are you living in abundance or in scarcity with your time? It has nothing to do with your circumstances. It begins when you say, I'm really busy but I'm going to give my time away anyways because we all are busy. We all have things to do, but I'm going to make the time to invest in what's important. 
The second thing we see here is about resources, abundant resources. Jesus didn't have more bread and fish hidden away somewhere, right? That was a miracle, but he began giving it away and it was miraculously enough. I talked with Jason Meredith. He's our drummer, and, and uh, I just this just popped into my head, so I am going off script a little bit again. I don't know what it is with today, seeing too many squirrels. But I remember Jason told me several years ago, he was a youth pastor for a period of time over at uh, Central Assembly, and, and he was on a missions trip, and, and they, had, they did not have enough cookies. I can't remember the circumstances. You'll have to talk to him about it. But whatever they were doing, they were giving away cookies and they didn't have enough because they had like 90 cookies and they were expecting 150 people. Well, guess what happened? They kept giving out cookies. And guess what happened? 150 people ate cookies. I can't explain it. I don't know what happened or how, but there was enough. These things happen today. These types of miracles still happen today. And you can talk to Jason about it. Amazing resources. So what about you? Are you living in abundance or scarcity with your resources? It has nothing to do with your bank account. Abundance begins when you say, I'm going to give to someone in need, even though maybe my finances are kind of tight right now. I'm going to tithe the first 10% of my income and give it back to the Lord as an act of worship. That's what I'm going to do. And and I've told you the story about me, and we don't talk about money here too often, but that resonated in my life when I first became a Christian. I I, I gave what I could. I wanted to make it to that 10%, and we finally did because our finances were upside down when we first came to the Lord, Gene and I. But we worked hard, and we just kept giving 1%, 2%, 3%. We got up to the 10%. And then, you know, Jesus calls for us to above, above and beyond that to give offerings and stuff. And so we've been able to be blessed to give back. We, we support missionaries, Gene and I do. We, do. we support Compassion International. And this has nothing to do with me. This has everything to do with God and what God has been able to do through my life. The minute I said, you know what, it's important for me to give back to the Lord the way he has given to me. And I don't know, I can't tell you how or why. There have been tight times before in the past, but God just keeps coming through. And if you talk to people that have developed this principle in their lives, you'll hear the same story. It's not about money. It really isn't about money. It's about my heart towards God. That's what it's about. It doesn't matter if I make $30,000 a year or 60 or 100 or a million dollars a year. It doesn't matter. It matters my heart towards God. It's an act of worship. So what about you? Are you living in scarcity or are you living in abundance? And then the last thing I want to talk about is abundant courage. Abundant courage. Jesus wasn't fearless in the sense that he never experienced an emotion of fear. He prayed in the garden right before he was arrested. And and if you don't know the story, it was right before he was arrested. He went to a garden called Gethsemane and he kneeled down and he prayed this prayer. If it is possible for this cup to pass from me, let it pass. If not, I want to do your will, Lord. I want to do your will. So even Jesus in the garden had that moment to where he was fearful. He experienced that fear. 
But he said, you know, at the end of the day, it's going to be your will, not mine. If this cup can pass, so be it. If not, I'm ready to go through it. And that's what you need to say in your life. And that's what I need to say in my life as well. What are you afraid of? Did you know that Jesus, the great I am, is with you? He is. If you're a Christian, we'll take it another step further. You have the Holy Spirit inside of you. And guess what? The Holy Spirit rose Jesus from the dead. Isn't that amazing? We have the same spirit inside of us. At that moment of salvation, the Holy Spirit comes into us and we have that strength, we have that courage, we just need to tap into it because the Holy Spirit's a gentleman. He will not impress or force himself on any of us. That's amazing to me. I did skip one, abundant strength, so I'm going to go back. The last one I have for you is abundant strength. Jesus didn't have super long legs to walk on the bottom of the, of the floor of the lake, right? He walked on top of the water, but he overcame the obstacles. He overcame those waves in that storm. He stepped out. And in Matthew's gospel, if you remember, or maybe you don't know, but Peter actually came out of the boat and walked on water. The same thing can happen to you and to me in my life when we hold on to Jesus and we walk through these storms in our life. As we look to him, he will be the one to help us walk on the water with him. So are you living in abundance or scarcity with strength? I talked earlier, it's not physical, could be emotional. It could be the fortitude to see something done. It could be a dream that God has placed in your heart that maybe you've put on the shelf because you're just too scared to take that first step of faith and to do what the Lord really is calling you to do. Each one of us experiences this in our lives in one way, shape, or form. So what is it for you today? If you wait for your circumstances to change, you will never live in abundance. If you or if I wait, if we wait for our circumstances to change, we will never live in abundance. Why? Well, like I made mention before, we will always feel like we don't have enough. We will always feel like we don't have enough. And that's where the thief wants us to stay. That's exactly where the thief wants us to be. Living as if we don't have enough. So what's it for you? I, I want to ask each one of us to pick one right now. Is it time? Is that yours? Is it resources? Is it strength? Or maybe it's courage for you. And here's the point. When each one of us as connectors start living in that abundant life, we're going to see an explosion of multiplication. An explosion of multiplication. Like I said before, I want to reiterate this. It's not about your current circumstances. It's about your attitude and about relying upon God and stepping out in faith and seeing what he's going to do next. That's what it's about. Abundant life fuels multiplication. But scarcity, scarcity kills it each and every time. Abundant life fuels multiplication. But scarcity kills it. Let's bow in prayer. 
Father God, I thank you so much for today. God, I thank you for this series, this fuel series. And Lord, it really resonates with me today in particular. Because Lord, I know that many times in my life I've been fearful. I felt like I didn't have enough time, resources, courage, strength, whatever it, whatever it is. But Lord, when I reached out to you and I trusted in Jesus in my life, then my circumstances changed. It wasn't, it, regardless of what my circumstances were before, when my attitude changed, then you changed my circumstances for me and I just give you all the glory and all the honor because I couldn't have figured it out myself. None of us can. We have to rely upon you, Jesus, to change our lives. And so maybe for you today, as we're bowed in, in the Lord's presence, maybe you have not asked Jesus to come into your life and to start changing your, your life from the inside out. Maybe that's you today. Maybe that's where we need to start, and then the next step will be this abundant life. But the first thing that we need to talk about is Jesus being the Lord of our lives. So as we're bowed in his presence, I just want to say a prayer for you. Then you'll have time to respond. God, I pray that you would speak to the people, everyone that's here today. Speak to the hearts of your people, Lord. And if there is anyone that is far from you this morning, call them back. Holy Spirit, do your work. You're a gentleman, but you impress upon our hearts and our minds at different times in our lives. And so this morning is the opportunity that each one of us has. Maybe you've never asked Jesus into your life before. Well, today's the day. Or maybe you're far from him right now. You can rededicate your life today. And so while we're bowed in his presence with your eyes closed, God, I just pray that you would speak to our hearts. And if that's you, would you raise your hand? I'd like to remember you in prayer. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There's a couple of us today that want to dedicate our lives to the Lord. I'd like all of us just to repeat after me and and as in one voice, Father God, I thank you for sending Jesus. Jesus, I admit I'm a sinner. I have fallen short. But I believe your sacrifice leads to my salvation. You rose again on the third day so I might have life and have it abundantly. Change me from the inside out. I give my life to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 If you said that prayer either for the first time or or maybe it's a rededication, go ahead and, and mark your connection card before you turn it in here in a little bit. We're almost done with the service. I just want to talk about baptism. Uh, Jesus was baptized. 
right in the beginning by John the Baptist and right was he when he was starting his ministry here on earth and and we believe that every believer should follow Jesus in that way. Uh, we don't believe that baptism saves you. We just prayed the prayer of salvation. That's what we call it. And so when we bow that knee, when we humble our hearts and we say that prayer and we give our lives over to Jesus, that's salvation. But baptism is, is an act of worship. It's following Jesus in the act of baptism. And, and that's what we believe. It's an outward expression of that inward conversion. It's symbolic of, of leaving the old self behind when we go down into the water and then coming up and being brand new. We're a new creation. That's what we believe. So, And I remember when Gene and I both were baptized, it was soon after we came to the Lord, about a month or two after we had given our hearts to Jesus and we got baptized. And I can remember that moment coming up out of the water and I didn't see a dove and there was no angelic music or anything. But I felt different. I felt different. I felt like, you know what? This commitment now in my life has been sealed. That's the word I used. I don't know if you've experienced that for those of you that have been baptized, but I felt like my commitment was sealed. And now I was just ready for whatever God wanted to do in my life. And 20 some odd years later, here I am. It's amazing. And so we always ask for spontaneous baptism. So if you haven't followed the Lord in baptism and you'd like to, we have a few shirts left. We have some shorts and we have some towels. There's seven people being baptized today. If you want to be number eight, come and talk to me. We're, we're going to go ahead and, and, and do some administrative work. We're going to do a closing celebration song, and then we're going to roll right into the baptism. So you have about four or five minutes to catch me as I'm getting changed. But if you want to be baptized today, you sure can. We've got the tank already. It's 93 degrees, if that helps. <laughs> nah, it shouldn't matter. I'm just kidding. But let's pray before I give it over to the band and we do the celebration song. Father God, I thank you once again on how you speak to us in our lives, how you change hearts, how you call us to go to the next step with you, the next level. We'll never reach perfection, but you're always calling us to the next thing, the deeper relationship with you. And baptism is just, is just part of that. And so I just thank you for this day where we can celebrate with those that are being baptized. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. To your left, my right, if you're on the end, there's little baskets there. Please grab those and, and put in your offering envelopes and your connection cards and pass them to the center. And there should be some folks here in a few minutes to pick those up. And, and then after you're done with that, let's stand up, let's celebrate with Ryan and the band and, and then get ready for Plunge Fest because it's about to happen. Ryan? Ryan?